Eric, we have been getting so much news from PowerCon. There's so many things to cover from this event, but I have one that I thought was really weird that I wanted to ask you about right away. Okay, please do. So a new line of figures was revealed, and it was a crossover between Masters of the Universe and the WWE, as in, like, wrestling. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So... I guess point the first, I'm interested in knowing if you were ever interested in wrestling, but that's not the question. The question is, if you could make a crossover line of She-Ra figures with another series, what would it be? Let me just consult my fan fiction. Uh, First of all, I'll say I never really was a wrestling kid, which is strange because I feel like wrestling goes hand in hand with comic books. And most of my adult nerd friends who like comics love wrestling, but... It just missed me. I think because I had a shitty stepbrother who was really, really into wrestling and thought it was real, and he was kind of a dummy. And so I was like, I'm not going to be like BJ. Anyway, what line would I cross with She-Ra? Okay, honestly, this is a little bit like the WWE figures, and this is a little bit what Super 7 is doing now. And it was kind of a glib answer that's a real answer. I'd cross them with Masters of the Universe. Because we've talked a lot about how the toys were very uh, were marketed in very gendered terms, and I would really love to see a line of Shira toys that was in scale with the original He-Man toys, which Super Seven is starting to do that. So there's now a Shira you can get that's basically a repaint of Tila with some new features. But I think that's really awesome, and I love to see more of the like core Shira figures in that style. That's pretty cool. And, you know, not that far from reality, as you say. I think I'd probably keep it in the 80s and cross it over with My Little Pony. And I definitely think not only would that have worked in the 80s with, you know, a sort of swift wind pack of unicorns and pegasi, but given that the She-Ra reboot happened in the same decade as the My Little Pony reboot... I bet we could have modern crossovers, too. I could see some of those characters, like your Rainbow Dash, actually fitting in very well into 2019 She-Ra. Plus, you know, more brushable hair all around. Hell yeah. Welcome back to She-Ra Progressive of Power. This is Eric. And this is Lauren. And you are getting what they call in the television industry a bottle episode today, a.k.a. filler. Uh, Because we intended on covering the next episode of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, Moment of Truth. But unfortunately, our studio is uh, is broken beyond repair. And um, we were going to Skype in a very cool guest who will have to wait until next week. So... We're just going to talk to you about PowerCon for a minute, because that happened this weekend. Yeah, frankly, I was a little concerned because so many huge announcements came out at PowerCon regarding the fandom, way more than just some action figure releases. And given how much more we had to talk about with our current guest, I wasn't sure it was going to fit all in. So we can just split it in two now. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Maybe. Maybe so. So PowerCon, in case you don't know, is the uh, annual He-Man and She-Ra fan convention. It takes place in sunny Anaheim, California. Uh, this was the first year that our beloved She-Ra and the Princesses of Power really had a big showing. There was like a writer's panel with uh, past guests of the show, Noelle Stevenson, Josie Campbell, Catherine Nol- and, uh, and Catherine Nolfi, as well as uh, folks who have not yet been guests 
uh, Laura Srebny, Shane Lynch, and M. Willis. You can you could have watched it on the Instagram story. Obviously, as Instagram stories go, it is gone now. But I watched it. It was cool. It was um, you know, not not a lot of like breaking unexpected news, but. Uh, one really great thing about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power that we've certainly benefited from is how tight the community is and just how warm the creators of the show are to to fans new and old. And like Lauren and I have kind of joked before about how PowerCon is kind of a gathering of fans old, uh, but it sure seems like they had a lovely reception at the show, which is great. Yes, and we did learn that even though Laura Strebny's hair is similar to Scorpia's, Scorpia was not based on Laura Strebny. So for all of you who are wondering, that rumor has been dispelled. Thank goodness. <laughs> Please stop spreading these rumors. <laughs> uh, maybe more to the point, uh, not that that wasn't pointed, Lauren, obviously. Um, Noelle talked about kind of the um, making explicit the neurodivergent coding of Entrapta, which is something that we've gone back and and forth on but i think she said a couple times now that you know maybe without exactly naming what her deal is she certainly uh certainly neuro not neurotypical yeah i didn't get to watch that instagram story and i'm glad you did because i think that is a pretty big question answered about a form of representation seen in this show and needed more in media yeah it's interesting right because like when we had duo on duo didn't want to peg that on her and I certainly don't want to because I don't represent that community but I, I think it's fascinating to hear her creators talk about that uh, we'll definitely have more to say about Entrapta next week but that was pretty interesting uh, they also did a signing uh, which from my Twitter stalking seemed like really lovely and I'm, I'm just I'm really heartened that the classic he fans as they're called um, were, were kind to the creators of our new show because as we all know online that hasn't always been the case but boy it, it seemed like it was just a lovely time yeah i think in the end this show has really won over a large sect of the classic fan community and that's totally well deserved um not only has it been great storytelling and great animation this whole time but i think there has been a lot more tribute to their favorite show and their era than maybe we expected even the PowerCon art was like uh, 1991 based, right? Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a hashtag NA truther now, as our friend Jacob has put it. Because if you looked at the PowerCon press badge, or maybe just all the badges, it had a picture of uh, DreamWorks Shira next to New Adventures He-Man. Now you've heard me go on about my theory that like this show is aping a lot more from new adventures than is expected, which is something else Noel talked about in the panel just to say like, yeah, Mara's from this show and no one caught it. Isn't that funny? Uh, hiding in plain sight. But yeah, I, it looked right. It looks like this She-Ra definitely fits with new adventures. He-Man It is that is fascinating to me. Yeah. They barely had to tweak the art at all. Yeah. And they more tweaked He-Man than She-Ra, honestly, which is kind of cool. Speaking of people who have been on our show, we also heard a little bit about our friend Tim Seeley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, we got to talk about this. There was huge He-Man news coming out of PowerCon. Uh, a new comic from our friend Tim Seeley, He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse. Uh, the word multiverse is very intriguing, very enticing. I think opens up a lot of possibilities for 
how these multiple Motu properties and these new emerging shows and comic books and even some of the old stuff, how it all might relate. Maybe some of this stuff that appeared to be all just divergent reboots will actually come together in some way. See, that's what I was thinking too. The timing is really, really fascinating. And like, obviously Occam's Razor, probably like 99% chance that DC Comics just was like, go crazy, tell a cool He-Man story. But there's that 1% where you're like, but what if? Well, sure. And multiverse doesn't even necessarily have to be Masters of the Universe multiverse. It could be Batman's multiverse. Well, and that's, I'm glad to hear you say that. So the premise of He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse is, uh, is there's a, a thing called the Anti-Eternia, which is rising from the depths of the multiverse. And, uh, and so like He-Man's from, a, He-Men? He-Man's from, a, my He-Man's from across the multiverse have to team up and they recruit Prince Keldor, who later becomes Skeletor, to fight the Anti-Eternia. You know what this sounds like to me is Dark Knight's Metal. It sounds a lot like the, um, the dark multiverse from Batman comics rising to the top and all the DC heroes having to fight it back. And so I do a little bit think, yes, this ties into the different He-Man properties, but it also feels very DC comics which is very appealing to me. Well, comics in general, I mean, Into the Spider-Verse, one of my favorite films of all time, also brought the many Spider-Men from the many multiverses into one universe. And so it's just kind of hot right now. Hot True. trope. Just this idea that there's like an anti, like a, a dark counterpart of the of the like thing we know, I think is, is where I'm getting Dark Knight's Metal from, uh, which is one of my favorite comic stories of the past like three years. I, I love it so much. So that's really cool. Um, you can pre-order that at your local comic shop of choice now. Uh, I'm sure Tim would be happy and your local comic shop would be happy. It seems like at least the first issue focuses on the Dolph Lundgren He-Man, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure that was all the news from PowerCon, right? Yeah, that's probably it. We're probably wrapping it up. All right, yeah, we're going to go. Oh, wait a minute. I think there was something else about He-Man. Oh, yeah. You know, like a massive Netflix reboot. Well, not a reboot. No, no, you're right. It's not a reboot at all. I like to use the word reboot when it comes to Netflix because that's like their thing. But that's not what this is. No. So in case you haven't heard somehow, which I think it's funny that when I shared the news, it didn't even have a picture with it. I shared it so early. It was like a weird pixelated globe. (laughs) Yeah. You were on that retweet game. Well, it's all it was all Jacob. But our first or like it's one of the most liked posts we've ever put up on our Facebook page was this news that um, Kevin Smith like snooch to the nooch snoogans kevin smith is doing a sequel to the filmation he-man show in the anime style for netflix that is a weird sentence yeah i would not have expected a lot of parts of this so a new he-man i probably could have called the fact that it's kevin smith though and the fact that It supposedly follows the old series. It supposedly picks up where we left off. That I wouldn't have guessed. That is a choice. I so I'm even surprised there's a new cartoon ahead of the movie, although I guess the movie is kind of in like a forever development hell, even though apparently there's a He-Man cast. 
Uh, who knows if we'll see it? And we should say there's no timeline to release on this show. I would bet that She-Ra wraps before He-Man comes out. But yeah, this idea that it like... Yeah, that's the quote Kevin keeps using. Picks up where the original left off. That's weird because the original wasn't serialized in any way. There's no sense of progression throughout it, really. So I don't even know what that means. Like, there are some story threads. The main one I think it's going to pick up. It seems like the character of Tila, Prince Adam's best friend and Man-at-Arms' daughter... Um, in the original show, you learn that she's the, secretly the daughter of the sorceress. And it seems from the couple of things Kevin Smith and crew have said that Tila is going to be like a huge part of the new show. And probably her like realizing her legacy is going to be a central piece of it. But other than that, I couldn't name like any kind of progression the original show had beyond the status quo established in the pilot, except for... Yeah, the way this is relevant to us is all of the DMs we received from our friends asking, is She-Ra going to be in this? I have to think yes. I have to think yes for exactly the reason that you say. There are so few points of continuity that would matter, but the existence of She-Ra as Adam's twin sister is like it. (laughs) Right. It's like one of two threads that at all change the status quo of the show. And I think it's interesting that the movie or the show is not called He-Man. It's called Masters of the Universe Revelation. And in my opinion, all right, if you're sequelizing Filmation and you don't include She-Ra, you have missed more than half of what makes the, the lore so interesting. But do they have the rights to She-Ra? Who knows? This is now the reverse question we've been asking this whole time. Um, will they use the Netflix She-Ra? I would say probably not. If it's going to be a Filmation sequel, it probably is the original She-Ra. Although, again, there's a multiverse now out in the, out in the world. Who can right. Say? I, feel, I feel like the multiverse concept sort of justifies that all of these things can exist and be popping up in our media at the same time. I don't expect it to be DreamWorks She-Ra, not just for you know, plot reasons, but also there are some production names already tied to this show, and they specifically name Mattel TV and Powerhouse Animation. And neither of those is DreamWorks. Uh, none, of the, none of the names we've seen connected to DreamWorks are on this. And even the tone of the panel, I just felt was very different. Um, I will say my first reaction to this announcement was that they used the word anime, and Powerhouse Animation, I think, is in, like, Texas. I, I just personally have beef with American animation calling itself anime. I wish we used anime-inspired or something like that. Just, you know, I've been watching Japanese cartoons since I was a tiny weeb teen, and I'm a little possessive of the word, but maybe that's just, maybe I'm just dating myself. You know who else has beef? Who? Texas. Oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think it's like stylistically an interesting choice. I, I hear and agree your point about like it's kind of disrespectful to call it anime. But it's the same studio that produced the Netflix Castlevania show, which from my understanding is like pretty badass. I haven't watched it, but Yeah, I mean it does look awesome. I'm not gonna deny that it looks awesome. Yeah. It it it's also weird to call it anime because the filmation series never used the word anime, so the idea that I mean, that seems to separate it more than unite them. Right. It, I think plot wise, it follows filmation, but it seems like stylistically it's, it's not that at all. 
uh, one of our friends, Sean Kelly, also former guest of the show, joked on Facebook that he would feel like his childhood was ruined if the show didn't use recycled stills of animation in every episode. Well, that he was riffing on something I said, which was we were sort of surfing the comments section uh, as people discovered this news and responded to it, right? And I don't think anything could have been created that would more check all of the boxes that the vintage fans claim to want. Yes. And the tone of this panel, I was, I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I am so excited for this show. I think it's going to be amazing. But the panel had me rolling my eyes because the fandom just has these men seeming so scared. There were quotes like, it's going to be dark and broody, but, you know, not too dark and broody. It will have drama. We're not going to go too dark. And the characters are going to have deep relationships. I love when characters like each other and talk to each other. Oh, oh, but don't worry. It's going to be very action-packed, you know. There's so, going to be some amazing fighting sequences. And they were just so careful to say, ooh, 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 it's not going to be too much of anything you don't like. You're really going to like it. We swear, we swear. And how, how could they make something? I mean, it's Kevin Smith. It's a direct sequel. How could they, how could anyone be unhappy? And yet. Right. What I said on Facebook was like, if you, if you looked at everything people were complaining about. So earlier in the show, we talked about how the classic fans were very nice to the Shira crew. That's great. But if you looked at what people were complaining about, what, what they said they wanted. So they say they wanted uh, a sequel to Filmation with like, serious adult style animation from a creator that had like quote serious nerd cred because i guess some people think noel doesn't which is ridiculous it's like everything they want is what this show is and people are afraid of it there are so many words thrown around in the masters of the universe fandom like respect and legacy and it seems like they're trying really hard to deliver And those words were used in the panel, too. They're really emphasizing respect and legacy. And yet, this is what Sean was responding to. One of the first comments I saw was someone saying, I hope the animation doesn't suck. All these modern, quote, poopy cartoons with their lack of detail. Lack of detail? Original Masters of the Universe stuff was just stills that were recycled over and over and over. And like people would stand totally robotically still while their eyes blinked and their mouths moved because that was as cheap and efficient as possible. To say something like current Shira or most of current animation is like poopy because it's not detailed. I don't know what you're looking at. You are crazy. There was also some hesitation about Tila. Just Tila being mentioned as a forefront character is like, uh-oh, SJWs are coming. Are, uh, are you joking? This looks like everything you want. Right. It, it's, it's mind-boggling to me that people are complaining about this. And I, I don't know. Like, I echo Lauren. I'm very excited for this show. I will watch it uh, with bated breath. We probably will not cover it because we'll probably be done by the time it comes out. But... I have to admit that my very first response to this was how I responded to hearing about the Jason Reitman Ghostbusters. Yeah, I thought of that too. Yeah, it seems like, and I don't know if this is literally true, but it feels like it's true. It seems like enough sad adult men complained enough that someone was like, okay, you can have your boys back. I had a laugh. I think it was io9 or it was somebody 
put out an article that was like little known She-Ra spinoff He-Man gets rebooted Netflix, which I very much appreciated. But like, Jesus, I don't know. Am I wrong? Am I just too cynical about this? Well, I think we're cynical about it because the whole point of this show and why we were delighted to do this show is that you were more of a She-Ra fan than you were a He-Man fan. And you wanted to tell the world how relevant and ahead of its time this wonderful show was before we even knew that the DreamWorks show was coming. And we have been so honored and privileged to have our relationship with DreamWorks and all of the friends we met over there who continue to come on our show and shower us with blessings and we want to tweet at you and kiss you every day. Uh, But the whole... Wait, who wants to kiss you? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to kiss me that I'm aware of. (laughs) I hope lots of people. But anyway, (laughs) we kind of started doing this as an answer to the macho, uh, buff... Don't politicize my childhood. You're ruining it. Like, the whole message was, it's been progressive and it's been revolutionary this whole time. I don't want to appease people who are on the internet saying, my cartoons aren't political. I don't like new animation. I don't like the direction the world is going. It's kind of against the point of this podcast. What I would bet, though, is I bet it is going to be amazing I bet it's going to have great relationships and awesome animation and wonderful characters, and it's going to be a breath of fresh air. But the way they're talking about it right now, the sort of tiptoeing and the artwork, it's like, we swear this one's for you, boys. I mean, maybe the new Ghostbusters will be awesome, too. I would love that to be true. Um, And to be clear, I find that more offensive than He-Man because Ghostbusters was directly pitched as like a, oh, we don't need those girls around anymore, whereas this is not. I only say that because the timing feels slightly suspect to me. But it's also possible that we're being too cynical and that the real answer is She-Ra paved the way for this, right? Like maybe interest in the brand renewed interest in He-Man. Yeah, it's entirely possible that just the talks that DreamWorks had to have about which characters they could use and which ones they couldn't and which ones would have fan appeal and which ones wouldn't really, you know, energize the discussion that people like all of this and all of this has legs. And so I I hope we can live in a fandom where we end up all loving all of the new stuff and it's not at all a problem as opposed to, you know, two divergent sections of the playground where over there you have your, like, boy toy aisle from 80s Toys R Us and over here I have my pink girl aisle and we don't have to talk to each other if we don't want to. And I do think Kevin Smith is better than that even though he's not maybe the first person you'd think of to do this show. It's just like you said our <laughs> is the world better than that I guess. Yeah I, I mean he did, he did make a, a <laughs> just an egregious boner joke at his panel but I, I don't think that has anything to do with what the content is going to be. He, I believe, is more adult, both in his personality and in his artistic vision, than maybe some of the stuff he's most known for. And I do think he really appreciates this property. So he's going to do a very good job. Um, I just hope there's a podcast somewhere with like women and people of color and LGBTQ community members who are going to comment on it like they have commented on 
princesses of power because we need that. We need those voices. Don't let it be all white guys. Amen. In today's adventure story, Prince Esker made an important discovery. He found out that a good idea could come from many places, <laughs> even from his sister. Know something? When you don't listen, you just might be cheating yourself out of a good idea. Besides, where does it say that big ideas have to come from big people? Give others a chance to share their ideas with you. I promise you'll be glad you did. All right, well, I think that covers it. We will be back next week with a guest and the analysis of the second half of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power Season 3. We have a really cool guest for the season finale. It's someone some of you have named specifically, but I won't say who, so you'll have to find out in like three weeks. Meanwhile, as we prepare for our next episode, please send us your favorite She-Ra fan art. One of the reasons I say this might be a blessing in disguise is because, spoiler alert, that's kind of the topic of our next episode, and the more content that we can have from fans to look at and talk about and boost the signal on, the better. So send us your fan art, or your friend's fan art, or some fan art from your enemies. I don't care. I care. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Shira, Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, progressiveofpower at gmail.com, or to our Facebook page at facebook.com backslash progressiveofpower. <laughs>